0: You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die.
1: Ragas are precise melody forms. A raga is not a mere scale. Nor is it a mode. Each raga has its own ascending and descending movement.
0: In this episode we'll be talking about Rave Shankar's The Sounds of India. In the room, I have Rob, hey. John, Hi. Ben, hey. and Adam. Hi. The Sounds of India is the 1968 album by India's most renowned classical musician, Rave Shankar. Released by Columbia Records, the producer was uncredited, and the genre is Hustani classical music. Rave Shankar was born April 7, 1920, in Varanasi, India, into a well-off orthodox Brahmin family. By the age of 13, Rave was on tour with his brother Uday in a traveling company of Hindu dancers and musicians. It's within this group that he first began playing the sitar. In the mid-50s, he performed solo concerts in the Soviet Union, Western Europe, and the US. Within a decade, he would become the most famous Indian musician on the planet. And from the book, Yoshikato, Rave Shankar's The Sounds of India was the ultimate mix and compilation for classical Indian music in that it was accessible, gloriously played, and inherently well-informed. At a time when tracking down global mu- musical styles took some effort, Shankar was the perfect musical ambassador, one who was already familiar with to legions of listeners as both an elder friend and an informal mu- musical teacher to the Beatles. Listening to the sounds of India is like attending an educational concert by the master himself. The liner notes are reminiscent of programs at classical concerts. Shankar himself offers a four-minute-plus recorded intro at the beginning of the album, during with which he explains in a gentle-speaking voice the basic principles of his music and demonstrates aspects of the music that the listener should be aware of. All right, what do we think of The Sounds of India? This is
2: the first uh, Ravi Shankar album
3: I've listened to, and I liked it. Cool. Yeah. I was really impressed with, uh, I mean, obviously he's the master of the sitar, but when you hear him play and focus on how he plays, it's it's pretty incredible. He's, he shreds.
0: Yeah, he he's definitely out there, and the music, I can kind of see in the 1960s how this, if someone got this album, and he's huh. explaining the time signatures, he's explaining what he's playing, how he's doing it, how someone could really Start to connect with
4: Indian music. It blows the doors wide open for that sort of freedom of expression that was so popular in the 60s. It makes so much sense that people really reacted to this then because, uh, one, you know, it's got this like magical sort of foreign quality that, you know, can be really attractive. Uh, but two, it's just figuring out a different way of thinking about music, the different um, pitches, you know, emphasis on different rhythms. There's just a lot of exciting things uh, that might be new to the listener. And, you know, I think, I think I, I really like Ravi Shankar, but it's about as like out there as I get with uh, sort of different explorations in a time, but it always clicks for me.
2: I really enjoyed and appreciated his little instructional uh, se- segments. Such a
0: calming voice. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, like, the the, the first one, uh, like, the, the one that's its own track, you know, it's just, it's a nice, like, introduction. Like, he, he tells you not, like, not to have your ears be searching for, like, harmonies and stuff like that. Just kind of to, you know, let it wash over you. Just, like, but then at the beginning of every track, he kind of, uh, he explains, like, the rhythm and the cadence and how to count that track, and uh, I found that really helpful. Uh, because w- without kind of that roadmap, some of the stuff like the, the rhythms and the melodies are so meandering that it's almost hard to imagine that there is a structure that they're sticking to. And even so, even with him telling me how to count a song, I'd start out fine, you know, and then like my mind would wander a little bit, and then I'd be like, Oh, I should get, I should try to find the one again. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah. uh,
4: I found the trick was often, and he tells you this in the beginning, like the 10, that's mm-hmm. not something you're not, you're usually looking for. Like as a musician, I mean, like f- songs in five, four are sort of the like notoriously strenuous ones to write or perform. But you know, he's here. He, that's about as close as you get, but counting the 10 I found would often get me back. And, mm. and that's something that I was surprised by was, just I don't think I ever knew that I listened to Ravi Shankar a lot when I was in college. I had a cassette of his. and I would joke with Sarah that um, that guy. I went through this phase when I was driving to school, maybe like my sophomore or junior year, where I just had that record or that album playing in my car for two months, and I never changed it. And I I just got so into it for some reason that I remember saying, like, if this was, uh, if there was a movie being made about my life, I would want this to be the soundtrack. It would be called, Adam. (laughs) It was a joke because it just didn't make any sense. It didn't fit my life in any way. But for some reason, it felt like such an interesting soundtrack to drive around to. Was this the purple minivan? Yeah, this was the the Plymouth Voyager (laughs) minivan. The one that was... uh, hand-me-down uh, from mm-hmm. my parents and then eventually, oddly enough, uh, was given to a young man when he went to college that my was the sort of adopted, um, uh, just uh, this, this older woman my mom knew was like a patron of this kid and mm-hmm. it turns out later that this kid's other patron was his uncle, Jack White of the White Stripes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, so that was just, Little musical divergence right. there. Sorry, that minivan
2: always reminded me of the McDonald's mascot Grimace. Yeah, it looks like that, but it,
4: it sounds like Ravi Shankar. Right, yeah, exactly.
3: When you think Ravi Shankar, you think Grimace. Yeah, ben has association in, in the deep Midwest yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah.
4: <laughs> i not a fan, no, I think
5: that, that, that's that, that's the thing, like, nothing about this I find offensive,
4: mm.
5: however. Putting it on this list, the reason why it's on the list is because it launched a thousand shitty sips shitty shitty Seriously, like, shitars. but basically, yeah. <laughs> he gave the hippies the here is the how go ahead thing. It's, it's like it's like the early rap uh, like records where they were like, "This is how you make crack." Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's fucking like. <laughs> it's rogs and it, yeah it uh it, it launched so many terrible things and this isn't terrible and that's the problem like uh what were we
0: discussing it, uh, it was about gonna how be it, somebody. I was going to get to okay. that but it was, yeah. was going
4: to be somebody like it's like this is classical music ravi shankar is just the outlet that we westerners heard this stuff because it was Audio was you know it was easier to get audio around at this time. There's you know Gandhi brought sort of an awareness of India to America. I mean the timing makes a lot of sense. It and there happened to be this guy who said, hey I'll be the. Torchbearer, yeah, well, well,
5: sure, but like then you still have uh, like the the birds trying to cop whatever that uh, jazz guy was. Um, anybody remember the it wasn't Coltrane? It might have been Coltrane. I don't think it, it was might Coltrane. Have been Coltrane. Yeah, it was like Coltrane. being like, all right, this is, we're gonna fucking do this Coltrane solo, and it fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. And it like it, it, it's like. Taking a beautiful picture and then putting it on the copy machine, and then it goes through, and this fucking Xerox <laughs> that, is not as cool. That and that happens over always and over. Happens, oh, so. So I mean, gross. like so
4: you can't you can't pretend it's not going to happen.
5: Sure, but you, uh, uh, another example I would give, like <clears throat> the the Podes, for example, like you know, mm. yeah, just just genius. fucking doing all this, like taking Irish music, taking taking like fucking like. In the in their blood Irish music and turning it into fucking amazing rock and roll with like great poetry over it. Speaking you know, of launching shit ships though Eh no, I, 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 I can't quite follow you on that.
2: Um like, they're, they're not all of those oh, c- c- pseudo Irish punk bands. All they're not five all bad. of them.
5: All five of them <laughs> compared to every fucking bullshit hippie band that happened. That, that, that's, that's not even apples and oranges. Man.
0: All right. Now a lot of those hippie bands, though, they, they they didn't delve into, I with, with the exception, maybe, of the Beatles doing certain songs. I don't think a lot of them, you know, got in there and were saying oh, we're going to do an all-Indian base. Yeah, I think they just they, borrowed it. They just tried to, like, infuse some sitar into <laughs> Poorly. Their, yeah.
4: <laughs> Poorly. Yeah. Poorly. Well, but, like, then you hear, like, uh, was it Strawberry Fields, I think, uses uh, a yeah. sitar. And it's like, but it's done as color. And it's done to sort of... A street fighting man, too. Yeah, that, that stones. Was, I thought that was interesting. I, we were talking about that last week or a couple weeks ago. And it was... I have to say, like, I don't think I ever realized that was a sitar, and yeah. it might have been the work of a madman, but <laughs> yeah. it was, it was interesting. Like, I
5: mean, but that that's more exception rule, like, than anything else. And you know, fucking George Harrison went down to India and hung out with this guy and fucking yeah. basically like, sat at his fucking side and learned how to play this. There's a big difference between Strawberry
4: Fields and well, I, well, what are you saying? You're like because I can't think of a single group that's like like got the sitar up in front playing ragas in a hippie style. That's what I'm, that's what I'm not following.
2: Seems like there have been, even if it wasn't a, a sitar in the band, it seems like there's been a handful of these summer of 67 albums that have at least had Raga themed tracks. The, yeah. They yeah. Definitely, even if the, it's like the, Western the, instrumentation. The
0: birds, definitely with their fifth dimension and even some of the country Joe, like even they, they tried to replicate some of what that ambient sound, uh-huh. they, they, they're doing there with the sitar yeah
2: it seems like roger mcginn may have been like sitar patient zero (laughs) (laughs) It, 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 it seems like like it you can trace it back to him he he's the one that told george harrison about it sitar looked like and what a sitar sounded like, but I didn't really know much about, like, the anatomy of a sitar. It's
5: so fucking I'm, weird. It's
2: Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> I now know more about the anatomy of a sitar, yeah. and I can confirm. They're fucking weird.
4: They're okay. made from a, a gourd, right? Yeah. I was trying to remember, because I saw, I saw a guy... I went to Paoli Fest, Indiana. Oh,
5: boy. I um, to <laughs> Paoli.
4: Uh, to visit Whitney, and there was this old like tomato factory that they converted, and they had a music festival. And there was a guy. <laughs> oh, no. Killed no, Killed no Killed Killed I'm, just I'm just getting started. Is, uh, it, is it Red Gold? Is that what was there? No, it was, uh, I can't remember what it was called, uh, but Red it wasn't Go- Red that. Gold was uh, it north was, of Benima. It was, the was it? Elkhart, I think. Elkhart. But uh, it was like a hundred-year-old place. But, uh, um, but there was a group that played uh, that the The gentleman performing on the sitar was a uh, you know like twenty something uh, redheaded white guy wearing, I would call it a pirate shirt, but it was like it was f- more flowy than that, and he and he <laughs> like a blouse, puffy shirt. It was a blouse. I guess it was like a white nice blouse. Puffy shirt. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make fun of him. It was just it was. It's and, part of the story. And, and, and how was this twenty year old Hoosier at sitar? Um. So they were doing like it was uh, it was a two piece, and they were playing along to some tracks. To and it was sort of like dancey, like EDM with a sitar kind of mm. and oh boy, I know it sounds more. like the worst thing you've ever heard, but like it, the sitar he was he was good at it. It was it was he had some ability. Do you remember I, what they were called? He, I don't. But he was explaining, um like he was explaining to the crowd what the sitar was, and I don't think I'd ever realized until this this pirate man <laughs> told me uh, <laughs> that it was made out of a gourd, and then it made so much sense to me. That that hollow sound, uh, and so I, you know, say we will about this uh, style of music, and it's definitely the guys that you're talking about, the, the spawning of these weird groups, but uh, I did learn that it's made out of a gourd.
0: Yeah. Well, traditionally.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah.
2: I knew that, uh, that there was. were, <laughs> you know, resonating drone strings, but I didn't know quite where they were mm-hmm. or how it worked. And I'd heard, someone had told me, like, I don't know, years ago, that they were below them. But I thought of it below in, like, a two-dimensional way. Like, on a double-necked guitar, the six-string is below the 12-string. But it's actually, it's it's underneath the strings that you play. Like, the strings you play are hovering above these other resonating strings. They're just tuned to those resonant pitches. And they're just like... It's it's weird and it's cool.
0: It's I, amazing. I mean, when I look at a sitar and I watch him play it, I my mind is just like I don't get this. This is like it's incredible that he can play it so fast, so fluidly, because yeah, it just doesn't seem like something I would. I, I can really yep, comprehend. That's them.
5: I yeah. thought it was them. So as far as like lists of, of things that are made out of They're gourds like that you area. like yeah, more than the sitar,
0: uh, I'm gonna go
5: jack o' lantern and spaghetti squash. <laughs> yeah. You guys, top top gourds. You guys should kick in on that. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: I like that little gourd wine jug nice. that's used by drunken masters in kung fu movies. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. Things, That's a good gourd. It's a good gourd. Sling it over
4: your shoulder.
2: Yeah, that's a solid gourd. Are we talking about gourd. favorite gourds? Yep. Yes. Yep. I like the one where the top half's yellow and the bottom half's green, and it's covered in warts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Nice, yeah. nice warty that, gourd. <laughs> that, that, yeah.
4: That's my favorite Halloween gourd. Yeah, uh, uh, Lufth- yeah. Is a gourd,
0: right? You can yes. do a really yeah. good.
4: You do a really good witch
0: uh, with that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of proposed the gourd talk.
3: <laughs> Hard shift.
0: <laughs> I proposed the question earlier, so Ravi Shankar goes to. Um, Monterey Pop Festival in 1967, or is it 68? Seven, I think. 67. And kills it. You know, he plays, like, the last... He's, like, the last performer. But anyway, he sees Jimi Hendrix destroy his guitar, light it on fire, and he is completely confounded and uh, can't envision that because something like the sitar is, like... It's religious. uh, It's religious to them. Yeah. Um, and he also kind of hated the hippie culture because, you know, he sees all these these people on drugs and and kind of out, spaced out and everything listening to his music, and it's a religious experience. It's like mm-hmm. getting closer to God uh, in this classical, you know, music. So I kind of proposed what other – or what do you think about that one? And then the other is – are there other people in history that have created music that they, they then hate their fans or hate what they've created in a certain way? I don't think Ravi hated what he created. I think he was just, like, annoyed. He distanced himself yes, he, from the drug culture. He, he saw that as something that he didn't want to be a part of, his, even though they loved him.
3: Right, his background was he came up in music at the steps of the official court musician of the Maharaja of myhar and is a he personally is a devotee of, of the god Hanuman and he does monkey god. monkey god, you know, but, but a traditional god. There's there's a lot of tradition in Hinduism right. where there is almost what you consider like religious conservatism. There are set gods that are sort of on the level and follow the rules and don't want you to put impurities into your body and things like that. And so there's him, also turnt
4: gods. Then there's turnt gods <laughs> under the under the
3: or or, or tantric practices where you yeah. do intentionally defile yourself to get outside of that or the practic mode. But he's not that dude. He's the dude who's like, I'm gonna follow this monkey god. I'm gonna play this sacred music, and you don't fuck around. You don't take LSD, and you don't smash your guitar. It's, it's a discipline for him. Exactly. Yeah. And and we were talking about that earlier. You know, there's ways to make altered states. And music is one way to make altered states, and taking a shit ton of drugs is another way to get an altered state. Do you want to start the band turnt gods?
5: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think, think it's a, really a two-piece
3: okay. wow, and really one be. guy plays a, a sitar and there's some EDM beans.
4: <laughs> no. Is, no is anybody doing that? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to take out the EDM part of that and then push it more in the, like direction of like Hella or Lightning Bolt. Oh Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a my my two cents. Yeah, but but to take it back to your train, you can be intern if you want. Are there other
3: musical artists that <laughs> began to hate the thing? They're, they're fans, for lack of a better word, or began to hate some of the musical movements that they started. Yeah, I think I, there definitely are. Right? I like
4: that question, and the one that I proposed as we were talking about this before was uh, Rage Against the Machine. Um, I think that group brought the uh, Yo Metal scene just to the next level, and there's yeah. so many groups. That I think were inspired by them to take the sound and the intensity, of the aggression of their style. And, like, for me, I'm not a big fan of the sound of the group Rage Against the Machine, but I always thought the message was kind of cool and interesting. And, like, you know, they were intelligent guys aggressively pushing what they believed uh, through this intense music that matched their intensity of their belief. And then there's Limp Bizkit. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and you just see the difference and you just say, Oh my God, this is so watered down. This is so But did Rage eventually distance themselves from fans? So but the one in, that got in particular. The what? one that got me was Paul Ryan. Like when Paul Ryan says that Rage Against Machine is his favorite band. Yeah. Uh, they actually wrote him a letter that says no, we are not <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, They wrote a public open letter to him and they were like, you are literally the exact person that we are raging against that all people should rage against. you are the system that is broken you like, you are everything we fight
0: and that, that has to be a little... H- hard on yourself when you when you like <laughs> name drop a band and the band responds directly I mean, to yeah. you. So no you've
4: done. <laughs> <laughs> he's not.
3: Bobby Shankar, even though he's, you know, supposed to be all devout and solidified on his, you know, not impurifying his body or doing anything wrong, uh, had a couple different kids from a couple different affairs. Including? uh, Including Nora Jones, Mm -hmm. um, who is probably one of his most famous children, um, if not the most famous. But yeah, he had three different, he had three kids, two from two different affairs um, I mean, apparently, you know, wasn't particularly a bad guy otherwise, but... No drugs. You know, technically, he's contaminating someone else's body. Good point. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, the Ted Nugent. <laughs> ah. But, uh, other than that, nothing too interesting except that he wore a big diamond ring, uh, manifested by Sacha Sai Baba, Ooh. who, uh, would occasionally extrude things out of his body, like, uh, the very popular Nog Champa incense. Uh oh. he pull that out of his body? Yeah, well, I mean... As Rob Ross will attest, it could have just been close-up stage magic. Um. But uh, <laughs> uh, 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 nah. the idea is that as a as a a Baba, a holy person, you can do mm. various different interesting mystical things, and one of which is extruding things from your body,
2: like okay. all Nag Champa came from his body, or yeah, like one
3: specific like incense stick. No, I think every single stick comes out of his body. No so way,
4: <laughs> John. We both we both studied. Buddhism in college and maybe you can help with this question earlier you mentioned that he's also he's is from the birthplace of the Buddha mm-hmm. Buddha being born out of the side of his mother it's basically another manifestation thing where he he was literally birthed not it's it's a uh, yeah, yeah. of all holy places to be born from yeah it's a it's a, a holy conception holy motif conception story that use, yeah. but the manifestation seems really popular yeah in I didn't that even, I didn't think about part of that. the world and I'm just so curious like what is if that you know what's well, the root pop, of it? pop
3: it out of different body parts has been popular for a long time I, I think, know. You know in Greek hit, uh, mythology uh, Athena would pop out of people's head uh, okay, okay. Or okay. Zeus I forgot head, about that. And
2: There's Master Blaster
3: Master Blaster is two
2: people wait wait oh <laughs> yeah that's two Quato. People. Quato 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 is
3: technically one person. Or, is he, well, or is he he, he, he's, well, he's got a host. He's he's no, one person
2: until the small part pops all the way out. Yeah. And, and then he's then he's like one person in a, in a little boot. Does water Quada
3: completely come out? Not, Not yet. A oh, dark ass? Oh, okay.
0: Is this in your fanfic? <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Total Recall too. Yes.
3: Toto's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. I it's would just,
3: watch the shit. It's just shit a out very
2: slow manifestation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we digress. This sorry. music that's will make you think about fault. all
3: sorts okay. of stuff. Stuff coming out of places. Stuff going okay. into places. Okay. Things going into other people. Things coming out of other people. And that's what you want from an album.
0: Okay. I think this deserves to be heard. If you're interested in Indian music in any way, I mean, come on. I give it a positive because it's Ravi Shankar. He's he's a master of this. It's very interesting too because it's it's a very simple technique what he's doing. And yeah, I kind of like the intros just giving you a little bit of background on it. Uh, uh, although if, you know, if you're going to put one of these on a mixtape, you got to be dedicated <laughs> because they're all 10 10-12 minutes long. Yeah. So Maybe you could just leave it in your van for a while. <laughs> to it. What do you think, Rob?
5: Uh, neutral. Okay. Um, I n- there, there's nothing about this that is offensive in any way, shape, or form. There are some interesting things, but I wouldn't say you have to listen to it. Okay. Like, and it, it it it. I I live with a person who is the most discriminating. Like. Music like yes or no, and if I was like you need to listen to this, you would be like go fuck yourself. <laughs> so I, I can't I can't say uh, I I can't give it a uh, anything more than a neutral. But it, I mean it's it, if if it's your thing, cool, go for it.
3: Right. I, I give it a positive for historical value and just to see someone be excellent at what they do. Yeah. But I'm not gonna go out and buy the album. Yeah, never. I'll never re-listen to
5: this yeah. probably.
2: I'm no. gonna give it a positive. You know, there's cultural significance, and, and, and it was pretty dope. Uh, if I saw a used copy for sale and it wasn't overpriced, I'd pick it up. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah,
2: I,
4: I would rebuy not. that cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm a fan. I, I, I like it. I don't know, it's not the sort of music that usually I respond to, but it might just be his playing that uh, takes it up a notch to me. And I find myself trancing out in a way that is pleasant to me, and you know, it. I like how he, specifically for this record, I like how he walks you through it a little bit, Um, and you can skip that the next time you listen. But you know, why
2: would you? It's so nice.
4: Humble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, that'll do it.
0: Next time we'll be talking about Os Mutantes' self-titled album. All right, thanks, (laughs) y'all. Thank you.